Amen. Thank you, platform workers. Thank you uh, for your liberality. Much appreciated. Amen. One more big announcement. Uh, we're going to have women's Bible study. Hallelujah. Uh, encourage your women. Uh, get with Tay. It's going to be an excellent time uh, for your women to stay together, learn the Word of God together. She's going to lead that. So uh, it's going to be an exciting time. I know last time I got lots of reports of just uh, God moving and helping women. So she's going to be hitting all the, a lot of the women issues. And uh, she's a woman, so she can hit your issue and help you work through that. Amen. So it's going to be a great blessing. Uh, amen. So, if you got your Bibles, John chapter 3, John chapter 3 this morning. You know, I'm looking through my notes and, uh, you know, so sometimes we just need to get back to the basics. We need, we can't forget about the basics. I remember uh, Michael Jordan reading uh, the book and, uh, and just his success was, he said daily he did the basics. He would dribble like uh, like a million dribbles every day. I mean, it's, it's just a large amount. He'd go on the floor and just shoot and shoot and shoot different angles. But he says the basics uh, that really got him to where he was. And so I want to preach on the power of the resurrection this morning. The power of the resurrection. What makes Christianity different from all other claims is the resurrection. Listen, without the resurrection of the dead... This gospel would be like all the other religions of the world, meaningless, empty, powerless, and useless. And I've been in Africa for eight years, been around a world of different places preaching. I've seen powerless religions. Uh, in Africa, it's just you see these poor, broken people. They would put their trust in a religion uh, that just didn't work, didn't do anything. And uh, you see the heartbreak, the agony there, but... Listen, when we begin to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ, begin to give them a hope, a, a, we have a resurrected Savior, a, a Savior that loves you, cares about you, can help you, and they feel the power of God, they feel the Holy Ghost, made all the difference. Uh, so what we have is powerful. Luke chapter 12, or Luke chapter, or John 11 this morning, John 11, uh, this is the story where Lazarus has died, this is Mary and Martha's brother, uh, he's died in verse 17. says, so when Jesus heard this, uh, he came and he found they'd already been dead four days. Now, think about this. Jesus got some news. Hey, Lazarus, uh, good friend of yours, family has died. Come. The Bible says Jesus waited. At the time he got there, he was dead four days. And coming on the fourth day has great significance here. Because the Jews believed uh, in their culture that for three days, uh, the person's spirit would stay with them. For three days, their spirit would hover over them. Uh, but when their body began to lose its color, the stench began to come up, uh, decomposition set in, uh, uh, the spirit would leave. So Jesus came the fourth day for a reason. Verse 38 of John 11, Jesus came to the tomb. It was a cave in the stone laid against it, Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of who was dead, said to him, Lord, uh, by this time there's a stench, for he has been dead four days. Amen. So uh, Jesus did this purposely. He knew when he was coming, what was taking place. As Martha's telling Jesus about the stench and the odor, the decomposing, verse 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection, and the life who believes in me, though he may die, shall or he shall live, and whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? He used this uh, 
as an opportunity to draw a bigger picture. Uh, I know he's dead, but on the resurrection, we can never forget that Jesus said, uh, on the resurrection and the life, if you believe in me, uh, not only is he going to live, but you're going to live. Uh, so this doesn't just work for him, but it works for everybody. Uh, in verse 44, Jesus resurrected Lazarus from the dead. said he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Uh, and he who had died came out bound, hand and foot, with grave clothes. His face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said, loose him and let him go. We serve a resurrection Savior this morning. And I rejoice in this powerful miracle, but the greater miracle is uh, that all of us have a resurrection day. Uh, verse 26 of John 11, uh, whosoever believes in me shall never die, uh, uh, amen, but shall live. So every one of us, that we have a hope, amen, there's a resurrection for all of us. Uh, can you say amen? Uh, I'll give you one more scripture before I go into our text. First Chronicles 1, or First Corinthians 1. Paul tells believers, uh, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpets will sound, and the dead will be raised, and the incorruptible shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, the mortal shall put on immortality. Verse 54. So then this corruptible shall uh, put on incorruption, this mortal shall put on immortality. Then shall uh, be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where's your sting? O grave, uh, where's your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of law is the grave. But thanks be to God who gives the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, what Paul's saying there, in Jesus there is a resurrection, uh, amen, the death and hell cannot hold a Christian. Uh, and that's the difference when we serve God. We have a resurrected Savior, uh, and we're going to be resurrected as well. So let's get in our text this morning, uh, John chapter 3, we start at verse 1. Loosen this up a little bit. <laughs> John chapter 3, we start verse 1. So now there is a Pharisee, a man, Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, uh, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one can perform these signs that you are doing if God was not with him. Jesus replied, verily, verily, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Uh, how can someone be born again when they are old, Nicodemus says. Surely they cannot enter a second time in the mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say to you, uh, no, one can, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless uh, they are born of water and spirit. Uh, flesh gives birth to flesh, spirit gives birth to spirit. Verse 7, You should not be surprised at my saying you sh must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases and you hear it. But you cannot tell where it comes or where it is going. So it is with every man born of the Spirit. For God, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life or everlasting life. Let's pray. Father, I'm asking you this morning, God, to give us the revelation, God, that this is a living gospel. You're a living Savior, God. One day, God, there's going to be a resurrection. Uh, God, we are going to, you are going to take us home. We're going to be in heaven. 
I pray God let us walk in the power of the Spirit, as Paul said. Uh, he wanted to experience the resurrection power in his life. I pray God let us understand this this morning. God, give us a revelation. Give us dominion life and God's people and say, Amen. So I want to look at three things this morning concerning resurrection. I want to look at salvation, healing, and eternal life. Amen. So look at salvation first. Nicodemus is a very religious man. He said he's a member of the Jewish ruling council. So here's a man that, uh, I got some. Here's a man that studied scripture more than we, you and I can imagine. He's made it all the way to the top. He is a, he's in the, the religious ruling council. He is a, he's a, the teacher of teachers here. And Jesus tells him that salvation doesn't come through religious rules. He's thinking, listen, because I've studied so much, because I'm smart uh, in religious matters, that I haven't passed into the kingdom of God. But Nicodemus is watching Jesus. He's watching uh, the miracles take place, the supernatural. And he realizes, uh, listen, Jesus is the man of God. There's something about Jesus that I don't have. Uh, he goes to Jesus. Jesus said, verily, verily, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. In other words, you're on the outside right now. You're not saved. You're not right with God. You're on the outside. You must be born again. Uh, then Jesus explains salvation to him. Unless you're born of water and spirit, uh, uh, amen, you can't be born again. Flesh gives birth to flesh. It's a natural birth. Uh, we all know that. You've seen a baby. They come out. Uh, uh, they're flesh and blood. But spirit gives birth to spirit. This is a supernatural birthing. This is asking Jesus uh, in your life, but it's the same effect. You come in as a brand new uh, believer. Uh, nothing of this world is on you. Amen. You've got a brand new start in life. You're fresh. Uh, in the kingdom of God, you're a baby. You can grow up in the things of God, uh, but there's a spiritual birth. In verse 16, the Spirit, gives, uh, the Spirit uh, comes when you ask Jesus Christ in your heart. Verse 16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. So the moment you get saved, there's this resurrection power that begins to live in you. It starts at birth. Uh, when you give your life to Jesus, you become born again. Uh, God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believes in Him shall have eternal life. There's that resurrection power from birth, amen, that's living in us. Can you say amen? So forgiveness of sin and entrance into the kingdom of God only comes... Uh, through Jesus Christ. Doesn't come all, any other way, only through Jesus. Acts 4.12, there's salvation and no one else. Uh, for there's no other name under heaven given among men that we must be saved. So religious institutions can't save you. Uh, just remember a bunch of scriptures, not going to save you. It has to be through Jesus Christ. Our salvation is only in the name of Jesus. Can you say amen? And the reason the name of Jesus is so powerful, one, uh, because He is the Son of God. He came as God in the flesh. Uh, two, He rose from the dead three days later, defeating death, hell, and the grave, uh, assuring you and I of a place in the kingdom as well. Amen. So uh, Jesus came as the Son of God, paid the price, uh, rose from the dead, and three, uh, or three, rose three days later, defeated the grave and death, uh, and that qualifies him to be Savior. Amen. Corinthians or Colossians 1.18. He is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning of the firstborn from the dead. In other words, Jesus uh, uh, blazed the trail. He is the firstborn uh, 
of many to follow. Amen. He raised from the dead first. He conquered the grave, uh, conquered hell, conquered all, uh, uh, defeated and rose again, but we're going to come after him. 1 Corinthians 1, Paul tells the believers, again, for this uh, uh, corruption must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruption has put on incorruption and this mortal put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass this saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. That is the hope, the, the end hope of the gospel. Uh, amen. As we live for God, we don't just die and rot in the ground. We don't just die and rot and it's over. But listen, there's a resurrection. Can you say amen? Uh, this is good news this morning. That Listen, uh, we may die in the flesh, but our spirit lives on. Uh, we have an eternal home in the kingdom that we go to. You know, religion works education. That's what Jesus telling Nicodemus can't save you. There's only one name that has the power to save and resurrect, uh, and that is the name of Jesus Christ. Isaiah picks this up earlier. He says, so your righteousness, as good as you can be, if you've never drank, never done drugs, never been immoral, you've helped people, you give to charity, uh, you supported your family uh, all the way through, if that's all you have, he said your righteousness is a filthy rag. And that's what a lot of people can't understand. I talk to them as I witness. Uh, uh, listen, uh, what, you know, you can be a good person because that's always the claim. Uh, I'm a good person. I've done good things. Uh, I said, that's all great here, but that doesn't help uh, get you into eternity. Truth is, every one of us have a rap sheet. A mile long, most of us. If we knew what you did in private all the time before salvation... Uh, uh, you'd be embarrassed. I'd be embarrassed. Come on. Galatians 5 picks up verse 19. The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, dis discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, detention, division, uh, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the likes. Uh, you may have done, not, not done all of them, but you've done a few of them. Come on. We're all dirty. We're all unclean. We need a Savior. That's why Jesus is telling Nicodemus, listen, uh, your spirit has been stained. Uh, your life is spoiled by sin. You need a Savior. Jesus told Nicodemus that believing starts with repentance. You must be born again. This is a new start that comes through repentance. Luke 13, 3, Jesus said, I tell you, unless you repent, you will, uh, you will uh, perish Acts 3.19, repent now and turn to God so that your sins will be washed away or wiped out. The time of refreshing may come from the Lord. So, amen, there has to be a starting point. You're not born saved. You're not saved because you're in a Christian family. Uh, you're not saved because somebody told you were. There has to be a beginning. That's what repentance is. Repentance means a change of heart and mind. Uh, this includes a turn away from sin and a turning to God uh, for forgiveness. Uh, when I got saved, I simply came down the altar. I met with all my heart. God, forgive me. Uh, I'm a sinner. I've messed up this life, God. But I'm believing in you. I believe that you can take it, uh, use it. And I left a changed person. By a starting point, I was born again. Uh, and James 2, I like how James picks this up. Uh, if you're really saved, uh, and he's uh, kind of beating that drum, if you're really saved, there's some evidence here. And I want to Read it to you, verse 17. 
he breaks it down, or verse 24, he says, Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But some will say, I, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works. I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. He's talking about real salvation here. Because a lot of people just say, well, I'm saved, and that's it. Well, I, I believe in that. Well, James said there's a little bit more to verse 20. But uh, do you want to be, do you want to know, foolish men, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? Uh, and by works, faith was made perfect. Verse 23. And scripture was fulfilled, which said, Abraham believed God. It was accounted to him for righteousness, and was called the friend of God. You see that when a man is justified by works uh, and not by faith only. So James is picking up here. He said, listen, uh, yeah, we get saved by repentance, no doubt. Uh, we come to an altar, Jesus, forgive me, God, do I work in my life? But the proof of repentance is... Uh, that my faith has worked. I'm going to get in uh, the kingdom of God. I'm going to live in the kingdom of God. I'm going to apply myself somewhere uh, in the house of God because that's the fruit or that's the proof of our salvation. You know, I talked to a man a while back said, I don't go to church, but I'm saved. I go, I don't get it. I go, if you're saved, you want to be in church. You want to be in the house of God. You want to be by other believers. But as he kept talking, uh, it's very evident he wasn't even close to salvation. He's like Nicodemus. He may have knew some scripture. He may have went to school, uh, but he wasn't close. I said, you need to repent. Uh, you need to get your heart right, your life right, and you'll love to come to church. You'll want to be in the house of God. Ephesians 2.10. For you're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, uh, which God prepared beforehand, we should walk in them. In other words, when you got saved, God set a course for work for you. When you got saved, God set a path uh, that you can labor in, that you can be effective in, that you can be productive in, in the kingdom of God. Uh, now, we're not saved by that, but listen, uh, uh, we get to be productive in the kingdom of God after salvation, and there's fulfillment in that. There's a grace in that when we can say, listen, I'm a part, I'm doing this. Uh, again, we're not saved by that, but listen, it sure does feel good, Amen. Yeah, but the motor behind doing everything we do is resurrection power. When you are forgiven, you're a part of the kingdom of God. Resurrection power says do something for God. Remember I said when you get saved, uh, God so loved the world, He gave His love to God, Son, that we should not perish and have everlasting life. So there's a spirit of resurrection power uh, in us, amen, at, at salvation that would encourage us uh, to be involved and do something for God. Matthew 4, when Jesus called men to follow them, uh, follow him, they gladly forsook all and did the will of God. Look at verse 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I'll make you fishermen of men. We've heard this many times. Uh, they immediately left their nets and followed him uh, went a little farther. There's two other ones. Uh, but my point is, uh, they simply repented and had an urge to do something for God. Uh, and when they got invited to do it, uh, I mean, they're in all the way. Uh, I can do something for God. They forsook all. That's what I'm talking about. There's something in us. Uh, and that's that spirit, that power, that resurrection spirit uh, 
the power in us to do something for God. This is not an isolated case. It happens uh, when people get saved. We want to do something for God. Acts 8 verse 4. Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. So as, as resurrection power is involved in salvation, it's also involved in healing. So let's look at this secondly. Mark 16. Uh, Jesus has died at this point. He's resurrected. He's going to heaven in a cloud, but before he goes, uh, he gives his followers this word, and he said to them, Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature who believes and is baptized will be saved, uh, and he who does not believe uh, will be condemned. And these signs shall follow those that believe. In my name they shall cast out demons, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, uh, they drink any deadly thing, it will not harm them. They shall lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. So we have resurrection power involved in healing here. What gave them great confidence to lay hands on the sick uh, before Jesus, or besides Jesus' words, was what they remembered what happened. And let me build this. Uh, uh, so here's Jesus. He's, he's leaving. You've got to catch the scene. Uh, he's getting up, get, going in the clouds, getting ready to ascend to heaven. Uh, he's giving them these last words. Listen, uh, Go to all the world, preach the gospel. Yes, you're going to have to fight the devil. You're going to have to put some gloves on, but pray for people. Get people saved. Get them healed. Get them delivered. Uh, that's their mission. Uh, and as Jesus is going, what gives them great confidence is a resurrection of the dead. Let's bring you back to Max, Matthew 27, verse 51. It said, Behold, a, uh, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, and coming out of the tombs after the resurrection, uh, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. This is a wild scene. Appeared to many. When since here and those who were with him, uh, uh, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, uh, they were filled with awe and said, Truly this is the Son of God. Well, the centurion must have been... They may have been watching the earthquake and everything else, but the believers, they had their mind on all these saints that just rose uh, out of the grave. Amen. They went back to mom and dad and said, hey, uh, I'm alive. Or mom and dad went back to the kids. Hey, what's up? Uh, but the Bible said they communicate. They're coming out of their graves. Uh, their spirit's coming out. They can see it. They went back uh, into, their, into their city and, said, and told many people, I don't know what they told them, what their words were, but they're remembering the power of the resurrection here. Uh, amen. That Jesus has power the grave can't even hold. Uh, a believer says, after Jesus resurrected, the graves were open. Uh, spirits came out uh, and went uh, and, and finally went to heaven. But they're remembering this. So their last words are to preach, to lay hands on the sick. And they're remembering the power of this resurrection uh, if Jesus can open a grave, bring spirits out, uh, and take them to heaven, surely he can heal this. And it gave him great confidence. The resurrection gives you and I great confidence. You know, it must have been a wild scene, right? You're in town. Mom and dad died last year. You know what? You buried them. Uh, you, you know, you did the, uh, you know, the speech. And all of a sudden, they're there talking to you. Come the Bible's real. I read it sometimes like, wow, man, I'm like, uh, and you put yourself in that arena, I mean, it had to be a noise in that city. There had to be a talk in that city. Man, uh, can you believe what? And, it, and it, it reverberated through that city, through other places. Uh, 
Well, that they're remembering this as Jesus has given them command to go preach and witness uh, and pray for people. They're remembering the power of the resurrection. The resurrection power gives life to the dead. Uh, with this resurrection power and scriptures like Isaiah fifty three five, but he was wounded for our transgression; he was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. Uh, they're going to have. They're on their way to revival here. They know. Listen, we're going to have revival. Uh, we have in our corner the power of the blood of Jesus Christ uh, that defeated every sickness, that defeated hell. Uh, now we have the power of the resurrection. Two powerful things uh, in our corners. We preach, they're with us. So I'm praying for the sick. You have both, again, the power of the blood uh, and the power of the resurrection. Mark 16. As lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. When you have that kind of power with you, uh, you pray for people, it's a good chance they're going to be healed. You know, healing is not a difficult thing for God. He heals as easy as He saves. Look at Luke 14 or Luke 4:18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive and recover the sight to the blind, uh, and set at liberty those who are oppressed. That's what Jesus did when He was here. Everywhere He went, He's praying for people. They're getting saved and healed, delivered. Uh, I mean, blind eyes open, death. There. We know the story. We've read it. Uh, over and over and over. But when Jesus left, uh, uh, he gave the anointed to preach, sent to heal, and set at liberty those who are oppressed to his church. Uh, Matthew 20, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. Uh, now therefore go. In other words, I'm giving you uh, this authority, this power. Go and do what I've done. Uh, and that power is going to be working with you as well. Luke 9, 1 and 2, and he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over the demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God. Uh, amen. So this is not changed. You know, but Satan does fight against people to get saved. We know that. How many times have you witnessed to your family over and over and over, and you tell us a spiritual fight? Or maybe people on your job or in your neighborhood, uh, and you're witnessing, but man, you can feel the demonic. There's a fight. They're constantly coming back with something, you're in a spiritual fight here. And just like salvation is the same with prayer. Whenever we have a prayer line, let me tell you, the devil's out there fighting. As we're believing God uh, for this person to get healed, this person's mind uh, to be restored, their body to, to get restored, whatever it might be. Listen, the devil is out in the congregation, uh, out in the thoughts of people with doubt, unbelief, skepticism. Uh, that ain't real. Uh, don't believe it. Why pray? You know, just sit down and do some work. So there's always a fight going on. Uh, I'm telling you, every time there's a prayer line, uh, I know I'm up here, but I feel it. I don't know if you feel it, but I feel the spiritual battle. Uh, doesn't matter if it's what it is, a leg growing out, a, a lump leaving the body, a mind being restored. Uh, there's a fight. It's like you're, you're in this incredible, but that's, that's what happens. And they knew that. Luke chapter 9, or Mark 9 is a good example. A father brings his son to get healed. Disciples prayed their hearts up. They're unsuccessful. I've been there. Amen. I prayed and not got the miracles. Man, it, how you feel it? And, you know, they're there. They're praying their hearts up. They're doing everything they know. Uh, Jesus had taught them how to bind and loose. He taught them 
uh, to say this prayers uh, and different things for this miracle. And Pastor Mitchell, Pastor Kimball's taught us some things. Uh, I can imagine they're disappointed, they're heartbroken. In verse 14, so when they came to disciples, talking about Jesus, they saw a great crowd around him and scribes arguing with them or with the disciples. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw Jesus, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him and asked him, what are, uh, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that uh, makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grits his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out, but they were unable. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long will I bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit was, uh, saw him, immediately convulsed the boy and fell on the ground and rode around foaming at the mouth. Jesus said to the father, how long, he, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, and it was at verse 22, and it has often cast him into the fire and water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Satan is in the prayer line right here. Did you catch it? If you can do anything. That's always what Satan wants to prevail in every prayer line, in every time a need comes up, if God can do anything. If he can really do it. How That's just the spirit of unbelief. That's a spirit of doubt, skeptic, and Lord, if you can really do something. Uh, as Jesus quickly said, uh, uh, if you can believe all things are possible, uh, uh, amen. So Jesus immediately throws it back on him. Uh, Lord, if you can believe. So I want you to see the fight, amen, for healing, for miracles. There's always a fight that is there. But, and Jesus said immediately, the Father cried out and said, I believe, but help my unbelief. You know, a prayer line requires faith. God's people want to court believing. Uh, that's why I tell you, hey, let's pray. Let's believe God uh, for this person. You may not have the injury, but they do. And they're desperate. They need our prayers. They need a miracle of God to move. Uh, I understand there's a fight going on here. Verse 28, the disciples asked, why were we not able to cast it out? Jesus said to them, this kind cannot be driven out uh, by anything but prayer. See, the truth is, there's a spiritual dominion in prayer that's seen, in, that's seen as you pray for people. Now, Jesus is the author of prayer. I mean, he, him and his father had the ultimate relationship. And Jesus was constantly telling his disciples, pray with me, come and pray. Let's, and he constantly showed them the value of prayer, but something happens so powerful in prayer, there's a Spiritual dominion given to people that pray, I can tell. Uh, who's praying many times and who's not. They have a dominion uh, about their life, their care, or like, man, you know, uh, listen, there's something about them. They can pray. They can get a miracle. That comes through prayer. And Jesus tells disciples, listen, uh, you need to spend some time in prayer here. You know, the prayer, the prayer line is not a sideshow. The reason we have a prayer line is we bring God there into the arena of a need, uh, and we need a dominion. Kim, when you say amen, uh, we have a prayer line. We need a dominion for that person that God would come, uh, and we'd win the fight, and that person would get saved. Because I guarantee you, like them disciples, I've been there a few times. Uh, man, when somebody don't get prayed, uh, healed, man, you go home just kind of bummed out. Right? 
Come on. I mean, you go home and just say, God, you know, it bothers you. I'm sure it bothered these disciples. It's made me spend more time in prayer as well. Uh, made me get a hold of God. God, next time. Jesus told his disciples, you want to be successful, you're casting out demons, getting people healed, uh, you need to be strong in prayer. Let me tell you something to help you. See, I get the advantage. I get to stand up here, you guys sitting out there. But it bothers me if people don't praise God. We're worshiping and we're singing, you're like, you're just looking around. Why? I'm like, we're in the presence of God singing. Surely you can sing. You can raise your hands. You can enter in. Uh, listen, there's the dynamic there. If you don't do it, you're going to miss it. When you simply raise your hands, lift your voice to God, there's something powerful that begins to work there. Yeah, there's something, uh, I mean, just that uh, will revolutionize your spirit if you just raise your hands, uh, raise your voice, and tune in with God and worship. Uh, there's something about prayer and worship that there's a dominion that Jesus is trying to tell them there's a dominion uh, a grace of God that comes with that, and you begin to speak to things, you begin to uh, accomplish things in the spiritual simply because you've entered in uh, to this arena. When you're strong in prayer, you understand the power of the blood uh, and the power of the resurrection. I've noticed this when I'm strong in prayer. Uh, it's like it, things come easy. Uh, I can plead the blood. I can plead the power of the resurrection. There's power, uh, and like it comes easy, but. When I've been weak in my prayer life, man, I really have to fight for this. Jesus challenges the Father here to believe in verse 24. And the Father uh, chose to believe in verse 26. And after crying out uh, and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse. So most of them said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up. uh, And he arose. Uh, It's interesting. This boy's father just chose to simply believe uh, uh, God, help me in this. Uh, God, give me a revelation. Help me understand. Uh, and, and I'm telling you, you got a miracle, but there's a connection there. When we begin to pray, we begin to, uh, you know, understand this arena. Listen, there's miracles that, that are, I believe that are waiting for us. So when we pray for people, don't be intimidated or fearful. We have power in the name of Jesus and there's power in the resurrection uh, that's already at work in us. Luke 18, 27, Jesus said, these things which are impossible with man are possible with God. So the reality is this, we can't heal a flea. Come on. We can't heal a flea on our own. But with Jesus, all things are possible. We can pray for people that are are all kinds of issues uh, because it's not us. Amen. We're believing God. God, you have to come down and touch these. Uh, you have to come down and do a miracle. Uh, but there's a resurrection power uh, and in prayer that we need to embrace. Amen. There's the blood, but there's that power, that resurrection power. Jesus rose from the dead. Remember, defeated uh, every demon, every sickness, every curse. Uh, that's working in us as we pray. Uh, and we can get miracles. When I pray for people, I am believing with all my heart that they're going to be healed. I plead the blood, uh, and I plead many times the power of the resurrection, uh, that power that anoint God touch them, heal them, do a miracle. Because uh, I'm praying with all my heart they're going to get healed. So as the resurrection power is involved in salvation and healing, it's also involved in eternity. Let's look at eternity lastly. 
First Peter three or First Peter one verse three. Blessed be the God of our Father, the, our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and does not fade away, received in heaven for you. Amen. God has a place in heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. He didn't just save to leave us. Uh, hope you make it. Hope you do well. No, I, he understands this world uh, has its issues, uh, has its disappointment. We're, we're involved. I, we're in a fallen world now, but this isn't our end. Amen. As we serve God here, as we allow that powerful, the power of the resurrection to flow through our lives, uh, we are saved to a living hope uh, that's reserved in heaven for you and I. Uh, this isn't the end. You may struggle and have difficulties today. Uh, Listen, but this isn't the end. One day, uh, it's heaven. John 14, verse 1, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If we're not so, I would have told you. Uh, listen, as I go to prepare a place for you, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back again and receive you to myself where I am. There you may be also. And where I go, you may know uh, and you may know the way. That's incredible to me. Jesus said, I'm gone, but I'm doing something in heaven. I'm preparing a house for Juliana. Hallelujah. I'm preparing a house for George, uh, others. I'm, I'm, I'm working, I'm busy uh, in the kingdom. Who knows how many rooms uh, in the Father's house, probably a million or so, uh, maybe more, but Jesus said, I'm preparing a place for you. He hadn't forgot about us. He hadn't just left us. Uh, but Jesus said, I've gone to heaven. Yeah, yeah, there has to be a process of things that take place. But the reason I'm gone from you right now, I'm preparing a place for you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Uh, listen, when, I, when my heart starts to be troubled, I, I think about that. You know, one day it's going to be in heaven. I can't even imagine what heaven's going to be like. I try sometimes, but it's just beyond your mind. Jesus said plainly, I go to the Father's house to prepare a place for you. You know, as true as salvation and healing is, there's a place in the Father's house in eternity for you and I. As Christians, we don't fear death. This is why at, at a funeral we have a celebration of life. We're not mourning the death of a Christian because we know, uh, hey, they would rather be where they're at. Especially if their body was tormented, broken down here. Why come back to that? Amen. Uh, uh, I want to be in heaven. I remember when they called me when Dennis Wright died. Uh, they said they found him in his bed on his side, everything packed up. Uh, I go, man, that's a picture of the rapture. Yeah, he died, he's in heaven. I rejoiced. Uh, yeah, you were saddened because they're gone, but there's a rejoicing. Listen, they've made it. Hallelujah. John 3.16 For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting Life. Listen, it's worth every battle. It's worth every struggle. It's worth every uh, difficulty. You hang on to Jesus. Keep your faith. Live for God. Uh, listen, you don't want to miss heaven. I'm trying to move here quick. Titus 1.1 Paul, a bond servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God elect in the acknowledgement of the truth, which, uh, uh, which accords with godliness and hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised before time began. 
God's always promised his people a place with him. Listen, Christians, uh, you'll live for God, you won't be disappointed. Now, I encourage you, whatever the battle is, whatever the struggle is, uh, plead the blood, use that resurrection power that's in you. Uh, amen. God, I'm going to pray, I'm going to believe God, and begin to call things out as they are. God, I'm believing for a miracle. Uh, I'm believing for this to be healed in my body, whatever, and begin to live in victory. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads. Went a little long. I like what Colossians 1.18 says. He is the head of the body of the church.